Yeah, it's your boy Ray Ray on the mic. Let's go. Mic check, mic check. Welcome to On the Mic with Ray White, where we share life lessons, encourage self-reflection, and equip you to take action. My name is Ray White, and I am juiced that you're taking the time to listen to this episode today. And you already know what I'm about to say, y'all. Come on, man. We got another fire interview for you. I don't know. I don't know why I did that. I, I just thought, you know, bullhorns in the background. Every time I say fire interview, I might, you know, I might bring that in for future episodes. Regardless, Kate Center comes onto the podcast. She comes onto the mic. I'm super juiced to have her story shared with you all. She's going to talk through quite a bit about her passion in environmental advocacy and how that shows up in the way that she posts on social media, in her practices of sustainable solutions in her daily life, as well as the work that she does lobbying for renewable energy development in the state of Oregon. I'm telling y'all, you're going to be hearing some gems from Kate talking about environmental issues, but more importantly, actions that you can take with the resources you have to help shape our Earth's future. And once you hear those actions and once you hear some gems, I would love for you to take a screenshot of this episode, tag me and Kate in it, as well as posting it on your social media stories, Instagram and Facebook, what have you. Be sure to follow Kate on Instagram. I'll make sure to put her link in the show notes and her blog, Our Uninhabitable Future, which talks so much more about environmental issues and shows links to the favorite books and the resources and the activities you can do in your homes today. So without further ado, let's go ahead and take a listen to this episode titled Our Climate's Future featuring Kate Center. Hey, everybody. Welcome to another episode of On the Mic with Ray White. I'm super excited to have another great guest, another great friend on the podcast. Uh, This is a friend that uh, actually I'm growing to becoming more and more of a good friend over the years, at least in my life, uh, through connection through my wife. Uh, This is how I got to know Kate Center, which this was on the podcast. Uh, But uh, Kate is a phenomenal individual. She has so much passion and drive and initiatives that she is all about and loves to share. And she has a very cute dog uh, that I hope we get a chance to talk to about in this episode. But <laughs> I would love to introduce to you Kate Center to the podcast. Kate, how are you doing today? I am doing really well. Um, you know, I spent some time with my very adorable dogs. Don't forget I have a second. You got, you got all kinds of dogs at the house. That's right. <laughs> Sorry, yeah. um, outside today. So yeah, it was, it's been a good day. Good. George got a haircut. Did he? Yeah. Finally. Well, you you wanted a haircut, right? Like that was on your I would say end. haircut, but it was like a trim. He just looks fluffier now, you know? <laughs> kind of trimmed his face up, gave him a good little brush. Yeah, yeah. So. Hey, that's he's cute. He's feeling fancy. Good. Good to hear. George being fancy. That's awesome. Um, but also, I yeah. wanted to thank you for having me on this podcast. I have always admired your ability to be, you know, articulate your personal experiences and personal growth in such a public way to benefit others. It's like, I'm just really excited to be on this oh. and talking to you. Well, yeah. Well, thanks for accepting the invitation. Um, because again, I think that you have some platforms and we'll get to some of the social media stuff that you're doing uh, and, and more, more so just the amount of work that you're doing in, in this space. But uh, you are an individual that I'm super excited to hear more about, hear more of your story um, and how that relates to 
what you're passionate about. And so, uh, and for the guests to hear it too, because I think that's going to be really valuable to understand more about just climate change and more about uh, environmental issues and things that really pertain to literally our, ourselves today and our future generations and future future generations as well. Um, and again, your cute dogs. We got to talk about that too. But I know my, oh, sorry, my father-in-law was like, if you don't talk about poop poops, I don't know if I can listen to the podcast. <laughs> like, I don't, I don't know if it's going to come up, Bruce. Poops will come up. That's for sure. <laughs> we'll make sure we carve out some time for that. Uh, before we get into uh, your hearing more about you and your story, there's a question I'm asking guests just to really anchor and center uh more get the listeners to understand more of who you are as well as uh, anchor the episode and see, and we get the chance to see how this phrase is threaded through the work that you do and what you're passionate about so in a sentence how would you articulate your mantra or your life mission yeah um i would say in the past few years it has been if just one person reads information that i share um, and decides to make personal changes to better the environment around them. I have been successful in my pursuit, whether it's just a random social media story that I share from an article I read earlier in the day or one of my Sunday climate service posts, or even in conversation, just hanging out around the fire with like you and Linz or someone, um, to now what's going to be blog posts or my platform. Mm -hmm. I'm very happy. That's awesome. That's awesome. Yes, you you have been on fire uh, in your in your posts about just the what's going on in the world and keeping us very, very, very up to date and aware and even more so just like what we should be considering, which we will get to that of how the the areas and ways in which that we need to consider um, the way that we live life, because again, in, on this platform, I would hope that you would uh, educate us a little bit more so so we can be making the right decisions. Um, and I, sure. mentioned, I mentioned quite a bit that you got some passion and drive. And as we talk about some of those things, I would love to hear just where that passion comes from. Where does that drive come from? Um, I think if I went with just this one, one motivator um, specifically, it would probably be focus mm -hmm. because whether it's trying to stay on track with all the fiction books I told myself I was going to keep reading or, you know, continuing my fitness journey or my climate activism, um, that public awareness or recognition factor helps keep me on track. And, you know, if I don't post a Sunday climate service post, I have people who message me saying, hey, where's that? And I'm like, you're right. I dropped the ball on this. Or if I post three nonfiction books in a row that I read, you know, people might say, I thought that you're supposed to be reading all of those fiction books you were given, Kate. Like, what's happening? Is that social accountability? Do you, like, thrive in that space? Um, yeah, like, do you thrive being held accountable? Is that something that you desire? It sounds like it is, but I want to hear, like, why, um, why that's valuable for you. I don't know that I specifically like it. It's not more so, it's not so much the attention factor. It's more my attention to the, like, whatever the subject is. Mm -hmm. And I definitely do better when not someone's holding my hand, but you know, I, 
I kind of have that overarching factor that's weighing in like, Kate, you need to do this because X, Y, and Z, whether it's work or whether it's personal. Um, but you'll notice that I omit my face and like myself from a lot of those things. I, because I don't like the attention to be necessarily on me or myself, but more whatever the cause that I'm pushing is. Okay. Okay. I like that. I like that because I mean, I'm, I'm gonna put it out there. You are an influencer in the, in the social space, but the way that you're doing it. Yeah. I, I said it. The way that you're doing it though is, is yeah. It's a less about your face or, or your, I me and what I'm doing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You and what you're doing. Yeah. But it's more about the content. It's more about the, the true issue um, that is, that is happening around us. And I feel like we, we, you know, you can easily scroll on Instagram and get lost in the sauce with everybody's posting about themselves or their faces or what have you. And a small little blurb that still somehow ties to their ego. And I don't get that from your content. Uh, and I don't get that from just the way that you're presenting yourself in, in that space that it is, hey, like this is a true issue that we all need to be considering, um, two true issues that we need to be uh, aware of. And don't even, I, I, you know, don't even worry about me, worry about what's going on here. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah. It's important. I mean, with, yeah, with the climate and the environment and even gender equality, it definitely, it stems from like, mostly believing in what is right like if I read something and I just say wow how how is this happening around us I can't just kind of sit back and be silent on that issue um that's and it's also really tough for me to see and watch people who are kind of I don't I don't mean to just say like anyone who isn't speaking up is wrong that's not that's not my goal and that's not how I want people to hear what I'm saying, but I just sometimes hope that like more people will eventually begin to speak up because I definitely think people believe that you can maybe only have strong opinions or see the merits of an argument when you feel the effects personally. Um, And that can be true in some cases. I think for me personally with gender equality, um, that definitely took a front seat after working in the corporate world for six years. Mm. And prior to that, maybe I didn't have as much motivation to really push that agenda, but I don't think it always has to be based on personal experience. I think you are a hundred percent able to just digest media in some capacity or facts and just say, this isn't right. And something needs to change. Kate, you, you have been somebody that I've seen as a very confident person. Um, in a, in a, in a, in a, in a very, no, but <laughs> thank you. I'm going to take it as a compliment. Yeah. Like as a compliment, like yeah. you're very confident in yourself and what you believe in and how you present yourself. And I think that's, uh, you know, again, a lot of reasons why I have been fascinated about what you are producing because you display a level of candor that is like, yo, like we have to handle this. Um, but I, as I know that it's a journey to get there. Like it doesn't, that doesn't often happen right away to, you know, wake up one day and say, you know what, I'm going to use my voice in this space. Like it takes a while to develop that confidence in order to use your voice to stand up for what's right and share that with others. Um, how was that transition from using your platform and using your voice more frequently? Um, and what, like, what was the catalyst that, that drove you to, to be able to do that? Yeah. 
Uh, I was speaking with Jess last night. And for those of you, Jess is Jessica Mitchell. I feel like most listeners here are going to hear that name and say, that's the coolest kid I know. Yep. Um, best friend. And she had me reflect back and try to find that pivotal moment mm-hmm. where my need to advocate took a front seat. And I think it was upon completion of my degree at PSU. Um, I actually kind of realized that I accidentally, as in I like did not purposely register for any of these classes to meet a requirement or anything, um, ended up with a minor in sustainability. So double major, double minor. And I think that was kind of eye-opening for me. Um, Like the information I was taking in in these classes was not information that I originally would have sought on my own, you know, agriculture, water scarcity, even just what the city of Portland is doing in ways of urban development around sustainability. Mm-hmm. and it was fascinating and terrifying and I eventually began subscribing to like all the specific forms of communication that could help broaden my knowledge in that capacity mm-hmm. and as I did that I kind of fell into the hole of seeing the effects of poaching you know elephants rhinos and thinking what the heck these there are like 10 of these animals left on this planet why are why are people not like outraged over this you know and there aren't really 10 that's not a true fact but just um and so for anyone who was friends with me on Facebook back in like 2012 2013 you saw a lot of really sad and desperate posts from me and I'm sorry but not really sorry and (laughs) So that was kind of my pivotal moment where that really, you know, just one piece of the puzzle, which was poaching. Mm -hmm. And that just really stuck with me. And then eventually I kind of took a step back and realized that was only one problem or one piece of the puzzle on a very large scale of humans impact on our environment. And that was kind of the beginning of, what is now me Hmm. um so then started sharing posts um more related to global warming and so then that kind of shifted into the way of polar bears environment and habitat and that kind of destruction and now it's less (laughs) less um stimulated by animals specifically and just kind of Mm all-encompassing climate change yeah, that's good. That's appropriate. I, I feel the, you know, it all starts somewhere, right? And it's all connected. I, I, yeah. I think definitely what I hear is that, yeah, the, just this journey of just seeing one situation and it, it breaks your heart. Hey, you have so much empathy and emotion towards it that you do um, because of you were being aware to the situation and educated. Uh, sparks your interest to dive deeper and continue to understand more and more of like, why is this happening? Uh, and how important it is that we dig into the why uh, before we even get to the what, because we, then we'll truly see what is the, the root cause or at least try to identify what all the root causes and all the pieces that help tie to that. Um, it's, yeah, I mean, regardless of the topic, you have to put a lot of serious consideration into what you share and why you're sharing it. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we could challenge every listener to reflect on 
what they may be advocating for and what their reason is for doing so. And is it because you deeply care about that issue or is it almost like a kind of a self-marketing hmm. ploy? Um, and I struggle with that just on social media and especially Instagram. I just get so, I you know, fall into the deep, dark rabbit hole. And I guess like one of the more recent examples, it's just, you know, people want to put on like a girl power shirt for women's day for like an Instagram picture, but then those same people are radio silent on these, you know, pervasive issues every other day of the year. And so I just want people to like, you know, want to be the person who brings that awareness to the pervasive issues, you know, affecting underrepresented groups and issues and just be proud of that. Yeah. Yeah. Got to keep the conversation going. Yeah. It doesn't stop on just the one day or the one post or one shirt. I love it. I love it. I'm a really big believer that small changes go a long way, Mm -hmm. like super overwhelming to even consider climate change. And, you know, you don't have to wait until you've planned perfect execution to implement changes in your life or to start spreading awareness on any issue. It doesn't have to be about climate change. It should be anything you care about. And for me, like me, it has taken me years to make even small incremental changes. And when I reflect back, I never think, oh, I haven't done enough. I just think about the impact that I have had. And that motivates me to in turn do more in the future. So it's never too late to start if there is something that you really care about or you are kind of nervous to start caring about. Mm-hmm. Like it's never too late to pick up a pen. That's good. Or start typing. Yes. That's good. That's <laughs> good word. I appreciate that. So you graduated college, you you're super passionate about environmental work, environmental studies. And um, how did that continue to manifest itself once you graduated? And then what, <laughs> talk a little bit about your career moving forward from, from graduating college. My advocacy had taken a little bit of backseat for a few years, aside from the little that I was doing on social media. Um, I began working in-house at a mid-sized law firm in Portland. And I eventually made the transition to a larger national firm that was headquartered in Portland. Mm -hmm. And I was working as their head marketing and client relations manager. Mm -hmm. And it was time consuming. You know, I, I, I essentially had to know how to practice law without practicing. You know, I had to be very educated in every type of law and it was a private full service firm. So that was a lot of types of law. Yeah. And, you know, I had like revised statute books on my desk and I took part in continuing legal education um, because I had to write the presentations for the lawyers and I had to write client pitches and I had to partake in client pitches. I was moderating panels for them and that was a big piece in actually generating new clients for the firm. I kind of acted as the face, which was amazing experience. Um, but, you know, it was a lot of, it was very time consuming. <laughs> and I, in addition to that, I also had a, I had a seat at a very small table when it came to strategizing the firm's future endeavors. And that was also a really, really great learning experience for me, but I kind of had to assess the situation because 
looking back at my logged hours, I was averaging between 14 and 15 and a half hours a day, like for almost two straight years. And that's like upwards of 75 hours in a week. And I felt like I had no time for anything that I really cared about, like even Matt and the dogs and, you know, the house and traveling. It was just like my actual life life kind of took a backseat for something that I wasn't passionate about. There were, I I will say that there were areas that I was really invested and kind of um, stemmed what I'm doing now. Mm -hmm. But I left about a year ago and I'm really thankful for the ability to even be able to do that. Like I'm so fortunate. Um, but I just had to make that decision on if it was either going to be work or like happiness in my personal life. And so I am where I am now, which is working. I basically do contract projects for small firms. And I also am working a lot in the area of lobbying with specific focus on renewable energies. So wind and solar and water development. So you might be like driving down I-5 and see big fields of solar power. And that development is what I am helping make happen. So clean renewable energy and Oregon has always been like kind of a, you know, frontliner in green power, anything green really. And it's been really fun, but there have been some hiccups. And so you have to work really hard to move past that. And it's it's been a crazy journey, but it's something that is so fun to do because it's something that I'm clearly very passionate about. You know, I want everywhere in the world to be on green energy i want you know it's it's really exciting and it's really cool to be a part of it sounds right up your alley i mean honestly you we've talked at the very beginning just about the advocacy that you are uh, have been stepping into when it comes to climate change and now you have the ability to step into the space and uh, i get to do it it's yeah, so cool <laughs> yeah so you're systemically you're also systemically making changes and i think that's what what's awesome to hear is that your whole life is encompassing around this passion of yours where you are using your free time and your, your own platforms to promote the importance of us following positive, sustainable uh, solutions and bringing up issues and awareness of climate change in that space. And then also you get to create systemic change in that way as well. And both are very needed in order for us to see some type of change, see some type of growth uh, and just to be in it and live it all day and every day. I'm imagining you're often in a euphoric state <laughs> quite often just because um, often in that space. Yeah, sort of. It sucks <laughs> when someone tells you no mm. and then you're like, but why? You know, this is really good for everyone. And you, I feel that most people who are listening to this and follow me on social media just see kind of my more emotionally charged posts where I'm just sitting on my couch and I'm just going to like, you know, type something that pops into my head about whatever topic it is. But when you're in the moment, it's, it's very polished. It's very rehearsed and it's, there is not a lot of emotion. You have to kind of go into it with 
an unbiased outlook and shockingly I am able to do that and I have somehow been able to do that for the last six years it's very I believe it I know you I've seen it I know you can do it so as you are in this space um, I'm gonna imagine that you're learning quite a bit about yourself through all of this Uh, what would you say are some of the lessons that you're learning about yourself while you're working uh, as a lobbyist or even when you started in the marketing marketing at the at the large firm and working all those crazy hours (laughs) what are some of the things you learned about yourself Okay, there are definitely a few. Um, I definitely thrive in very high stress, zero time kind of situations. Um, There were a lot of instances where I would be hit with an RFP, um, which is a request for proposal the night before, and it's for a completely new type of development project and so you're starting from scratch and a lot of times those are between 30 and 50 page responses and in moments I would kind of be like oh man this is tough but at the same time I loved it I was like yes this is great I have also become very aware and very cautious with the think before you speak sentiment um you can be very, very persuasive in a very short period of time. And in my line of work, you have to be, whether you're speaking to a Senator, you only have 120 seconds to make your case, or you're speaking to an attorney whose entire life revolves around the billable hour. So Mm -hmm. they are counting every minute, you know, every email counts as, you know, an increment of an hour. So it's, been really really good for me to really polish myself in both speaking and writing in that regard um but kind of on a well and I also just really loved working and love working with highly educated um peers because it's that they're always always bettering me in every realm of our work um, but at the same time, I, and kind of on a, um, I guess a slightly less fun note, I definitely can see myself becoming a little more depressed when I'm working so hard and with so much time on projects that I'm not really invested in. Like that's really tough. And that's kind of, that was when I decided that something needs to change if I'm going to be dedicating this time and energy into certain aspects of my life. So this has been a very interesting time now because you've talked a little bit about how you are having to be face to face with either senators or lawyers and lobbying and you have a certain amount of time and space. Uh, A lot of it's face to face interaction. We are in a very unique time. (laughs) Listening, if y'all listen to this in uh, spring 2020 has been wild with the COVID-19 coronavirus uh, really changed the way that we work and interact with one another so that we can help uh, flatten the curve and minimize the amount of the spread of the of the virus. Kate, how does this season of the social distancing and utilizing the virtual spaces affect the way that you work? Like, tell me more about that. It is really hard. Um, you are my, you're going to be 
able to be much more effective face to face because people can't ignore you. And <laughs> so that's really, really tough. Um, I will say that there's not a lot of anything happening right now. Um, and just last night I was on a zoom call. So kind of a rare situation happening in Multnomah County right now, generally when a judge retires, they are appointed rather than um, elected. And because the time frame, um, the notice that the judge gave for retirement was so quick and kind of passed some deadlines, they are having an election. And so we're in the middle of this pandemic and there are four attorneys who are running for this position and they cannot go out and lobby for themselves or create name recognition. And so we're, we were just having a quick, you know, strategy meeting on what are going to be the best ways in the next 30, what are we, 32 days mm -hmm. from election deadlines to get your name out there and for people to even, you know, scroll down the ballot far enough to get your position to even vote on. And it's really tough. Um, a lot, a lot, a lot of advertising, especially just on radio and online, social media, especially just people are on it so much right now. It's crazy. Um, but yeah, it, it's really tough. It makes everything a million times harder because you can't, it's not like you're just Zoom calling your own team to get work done within your own institution. You, you can't do that with a lot of my kind of work you are trying to reach the masses and you have no way of communicating with them yeah wow so, this changes the game in a in a yeah in a wild way i won't you know it could be positive or negative depending on kind of where you sit in the in the in the space and we, you know we've seen quite a bit and depending on your industry and where you sit uh within the world um i would imagine yeah trying to campaign uh when normally face-to-face, door-to-door, you know, canvassing, all that kind of stuff uh, works. Yet, yeah, you have to utilize new tools now. So marketing on social media and, you know, the ad spend and being able to uh, craft your message that will appeal to your demographic, which, yeah, you said they all might be on social media, but yeah, still, like, you still got to try to figure out a way to create that engagement. Um, and I would imagine do some brand new things that would have seen been ludicrous 30 some you know days ago to where now it's like okay well what else we gotta try we gotta try it because we gotta get your name out there um and social media is so foreign to a lot of the people who are kind of in need of using it right now and so i'm that struggle i feel bad oh, i feel a little bit bad for them yeah 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 Ooh. side note we i want to talk more about that later <laughs> yeah <laughs> that's not happening yeah. So, okay. Yeah. Yeah. COVID has definitely impacted every world, I, I, every industry. And um, thank you for answering that because I've been interested in hearing how uh, folks who just, how are they navigating themselves and their work through the, through the, the pandemic right now? Um, but I, I definitely want to get to the meat and, and uh, the, the, the passion. We talked about climate change quite a bit, where it started and how it manifests in your work. Um, and now I want to get to just what you know honestly what i need to do so first it's the educational pieces and and since this is 
these are the spaces where uh, I want to hear from you of just the themes or what are you seeing when it comes to climate change that we need to be educated on? I would say there are three big themes, but I think I noted this to you earlier. They're kind of more issues. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, climate change isn't a happy topic, but there are ways to fix the damage that we've done if people begin to become aware and begin to care. Mm-hmm. Um, so I would say the first issue is partisanship and don't tune out because I promise I'm going to be very fair. Um, <laughs> our economy and our planet are essentially at war with one another right now. Um, what the climate needs in order to avoid collapse is a contraction in our use of resources, but our economic model, what our economic model demands and to avoid collapse is, you know, unrestricted expansion. And so basically everything we'd have to do to lower emissions fundamentally conflicts with our current system. And that is a tough pill to swallow, but it's also kind of interesting because our economic system benefits so few in the world. Um, And I think a single, like very striking example is that the U.S., you know, provides, this is just one type of example, Mm -hmm. Um, but the U.S. provides 20, like maybe even over now, $20 billion in subsidies to fossil fuel companies, fossil fuel companies, um, meaning that they provide a handout to these companies to keep prices for consumers, you know, at or below market level so that we keep buying it. You know, we keep buying the cars, they use it. We keep it as part, it's like a fundamental part of our economy. Mm-hmm. And that's just a yearly handout. Wow. But fossil fuel companies who are causing the, like, the most damage, um, they're providing nothing in the way of repairing that damage. You know, there's, they're not providing, they're not giving any dollars back for treating the planet and the atmosphere like a waste dump. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And through a moderately cynical lens, I think both sides of the aisle are party to these practices. And I see both parties at the moment um, failing to make climate a true priority, mm-hmm. whether it's like watching the climate protection rollbacks from our current administration or you know, just a fun fact, under our previous administration, the U.S.'s oil production almost doubled. Wow. So it, it's not just, you know, it's not, it shouldn't be Democrats versus Republicans. It's, it's an everyone issue because it's going to affect everyone equally. Right. And I don't think it's fair to say that any one party is doing more than the other. And I might, I might get hit by (laughs) one party for saying that. I don't know, but that's my personal opinion on the matter. Um, It's not fact, but I just see a lot of people saying, oh, it's like, you know, it's the Democrats wanting this or the Republicans not doing that. And that's already, that's just like such a barrier that we're placed, that we're putting in place that is holding us back from even considering the issue. 
mm-hmm. at hand. Mm-hmm. And so that's, that's the first issue. Mm-hmm. Um, I would say that collective denial is for sure the second issue. Um, you know, <laughs> first and foremost, the, we are so privileged to even be able to turn a blind eye to the situation. Um, it's always easier to deny reality than to allow our worldview to be shattered, especially when a lot of immediate and long-term effects are surfacing in far-reaching places of the world. And I mean, at least compared to where we are, where your listeners are, who I assume would mostly be in the U.S. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe not. Maybe you have listeners all over the world now, Ray. We have a couple of genes, um, by the way. Just a few. <laughs> I don't know who they are, but they listen in. Anyway, continue. <laughs> yeah. Uh, most notably would be areas with large ice, ice sheets like the Arctic. Um, you know, we're watching the melt happen at a far more rapid pace than the accumulation of its replacement. And in return, you see those really awful photos of starving polar bears mm. and shrinking penguin colonies. But that melting ice in return is causing a slightly less noticeable but highly important ramification and that is the rise in our sea level and that's already displacing millions of people living on coastlines and they have nowhere else to go and 10 percent of our world's population lives within 10 meters like above sea level wow which yeah it's a terrifying thought and even in, to put it in more perspective, you know, Miami and Shanghai and Venice are all in peril. I mean, I think it wasn't it last, I think it was last year that we saw Venice mm-hmm. inaccessible for days, days and days. Um, and that flood cost somewhere around a billion dollars in damage. And that is undoubtedly, like no question, going to become more and more normal if nothing changes. Wow. And it was, you know, the Venice situation got a lot of traction. And then like most things, kind of like the Amazon fires and the mm-hmm. Australia bush fires, you know, that traction dies and people go back to their avocado toast and their lattes. And, you know, they don't take time to check back in if they even checked in at all. And they don't take time to kind of look at the causes or patterns. And I don't, I should clarify that I also eat avocado toast and I also use Instagram, but if we can recognize, like if we can recognize the issue without having to endure it first and normalize that need to act, um, that would, that would be kind of a solution to that. I mean, we've done it before with a ton, like, you know, many atrocities, many things that we look back and say, how, how did this ever happen in the first place? Why was this okay? And hopefully we get to that point with our changing climate. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I would say the third issue, and this is almost just more in my immediate life and my, like the immediate feedback that I receive is it can be overwhelming and (laughs) You know, we've lived in collective denial for so long and done so much harm in just our lifetime. So less than 30 years, Mm -hmm. it can be 
exceptionally overwhelming for a person to even begin educating themselves on any pieces of the puzzle. And I completely get that. Mm. Um, even with the pushes that I make to spread awareness, I can sometimes sink into a meditative state and just try to emotionally process the level of taxation that we've placed on this planet and how little budget we have left to further, or the planet has left to further extend. Yeah. And I a hundred percent respect the anxiety that it can cause when you begin to kind of look at it in the face. Um, but what you are acknowledging or considering acknowledging is not going to go away if you just bury your head in the sand. Um, it's not, you know, it'll only begin to mend if we collectively make efforts to reduce our level of consumption and output, even in small ways. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I just, I, yeah, just, I'm just imagining just, you, you hit some big topics such as like, you know, you, you talked about our government body and <laughs> the way in which that they're operating in this with the uh, pointing of fingers as well as just um, being able to throw money in certain situations that aren't really effective. And then the societal aspect of it where, yeah, you're right. Like we can easily not pay attention to this stuff because it's not hitting my everyday. Like I'm, you know, or, or at least I'm not aware how it's affecting, you know, my day to day sitting here in Kaiser as much as it would be from somebody who is in a, a more vulnerable space, a more vulnerable state um, and seeing it on a regular basis. Um, and because it's not affecting, you know, my latte, you know, uh, <laughs> you know, that, 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 that can easily be done. But then yes, once you turn, have the awareness to, uh, to even acknowledge that this is a, a factor and issue. Like I just reminded of, um, you know, being in college and learning more about systemic oppression and just the historical aspects that, that you know, as, as climate change is a form of that, um, just the historical uh, implications. And as you stated, is like, how can this be continue to be a thing? Um, and then, yeah, like you, it can be overwhelming trying to like process all of that because you are, we are just, well, there is a lens in which where we can say we are just one individual. How do I make my, what is the, like, how do little old me process all this information that's been historically done, you know, beyond my years? Uh, how can I, what can, like, how can I make an impact in that? And how can I, how do I just navigate that internally and then make a change in that? And I can see that being a lot of the reason why people may not want to engage, you know, like maybe, mm -hmm. you know, like this is beyond me <laughs> and I'm just going to live my life and do my thing <laughs> and not going to worry about it because I can't make a change. And I'm interested in hearing you, you you're alluding to a little bit, but I'd love to you to expound more on that. It's like, how do you, what do you say to that person who is sitting in that state of becoming more aware of climate change, becoming more aware of just how it's systemically impacting various communities and people? And what would you say to somebody like me who is becoming more up to this space to take action? Limit your consumption. Um, you unequivocally vote with your dollar. And the easiest way to do that is to buy less and repurpose more. Uh, if you have to buy something, don't resort to Amazon. You know, spend a little time to find the item from a company whose practices are certified in some sustainable capacity. Mm -hmm. um, maybe it's just 
even going down the street to a small shop because that is likely producing less emissions than ordering online, regardless of where you're ordering from. Um, and usually the easiest avenue to buy, like from Amazon, is the worst for the planet. Hmm. You know, you can just uh, maybe ask to borrow or thrift an outfit for your next event, you know, if we ever have those again. And <laughs> buy in bulk at the store if you can and bring your own containers. Uh, bring your own to-go containers when you eat out. They make these really cool collapsible um, silicone containers. So they don't take up a lot of space and you can put them in the dishwasher and the oven and the microwave and you're not using, you know, plastic coated cardboard or whatever, I mean, just straight plastic, whatever mm -hmm. the restaurant's providing you. Mm -hmm. um, you know, you can switch to soaps in bar form, even for your hair rather than in all the plastic bottles and really small changes like that definitely don't be consumers. Like you don't have to have the newest phone because it's there, you know, keep using your phone, keep refurbishing your phone until it no longer can be. Um, I've always prided myself on being that person with the, like the super broke phone. Oh you walk into the room and like all of my <laughs> friends would just be like, what is that? <laughs> just like so cracked and you know, the back is missing. You can see the insides and I'm like, I don't know. It's still working. <laughs> Here I am. <laughs> Um, that's literally, but just, that's literally <laughs> last week. Like I, <laughs> the last time we saw y'all, I'm like, yo, Kate, like this phone is all jacked up, but that makes sense. <laughs> no. I, I understand why now. So I, my bad for the judgment. <laughs> oh, it's, it's, I'm so used to it. It's been like that since, you know, my first phone, I mean, Lindsay and everyone has, has been on me about it, but that's why I just always felt bad if it was still working. There's no reason to replace it. Um, because super, super easy and small changes make a huge difference. Think about, gosh, I just read, idle electronics consume 44 million tons of CO2 annually. So just leaving your electronics plugged in for, you know, even though you're not using them, so maybe it's your TV, maybe it's your Amazon Alexa, maybe it's your phone charger that's not plugged into your phone. That's a lot. That's like a... Yeah my mind was blown and that's just one tiny super easy change that people can implement within their own home yeah um super easy small changes um i'm not perfect i am far from perfect <laughs> and to be completely honest matt and i have historically been so awful with in-home consumption and waste um but we've made a really really big effort in the last year to improve our habits and we try to borrow what we don't have and, or maybe just want. Um, mm -hmm. And Matt's parents are amazing because they, they really practice the reuse and refurbish. And if they, like they have almost every household item you could possibly dream of. And if they don't have it, they will likely help us make it. So it's been a lot easier because of their influence and their abilities and also Matt's own abilities to make things. But mm -hmm. that being said, don't let that discourage you if you don't have that in your life, because one message me on Instagram and two, you know, if you do have to buy something, it's not the end of the world, hopefully, but <laughs> you know, just don't, don't do it from somewhere like Amazon, like be a little bit more responsible when you do purchase. Um, 
So mm -hmm. I guess that's, that's one. And then limiting your output. Um, you know, if you're in the position to go buy a car, maybe consider making the switch to a hybrid or mm -hmm. an electric vehicle. Mm -hmm. We're a couple months out from being able to do that. And I'm pretty excited. Nice. Um, but like, again, I understand that feeling of not wanting to dip your toes for fear of drowning. Um, mm -hmm. It's, it's a lot to take in and it's a lot to begin to consider implementing into your own life. Yeah. That's so good. I, I, every small step counts. Right. And I think that, you know, already I'm like, Oh, cool. I didn't really, the, just the awareness to bring my own container to a, a restaurant one day, whenever we get back to that. Um, I never yeah. thought about that, you know, I was like, Oh yeah, like that makes sense. You know? So I, that's definitely one. And I do remember the post where that of, um, idle objects plugged in and how much that, you know, consumes. And I think I remember laying down that night, like scrolling through Instagram, like I normally do. And I saw that and I was like, oh, dang, I wonder how many things I, know. <laughs> I, <plugged up. laughs> I was like, oh my gosh. Oh, so bad. But no, but that's, that's, that's good. And like that, I, I appreciate you putting that out there because that, you know, you're triggering thought you're triggering people to change their perspective or consider their perspective in such a small way. Like even a small, one small action does count to the larger goal and to larger vision. And, you know, enough of that done by in many people would hopefully change the course of direction of the climate and, and where we are wanting to save the planet in that context. So, uh, yeah, I think that the more that you continuing to educate and we all should be educating ourselves in that and then even taking one small step that can help drive the initiative and change is important so um yeah i appreciate that i as we take a look at uh the next generation a lot of what i like about this platform and want to help build in this platform is to be able to share the lessons and stories and and educate one another on just the way that uh life can be done and can be made and but more so just to be able to give advice to the next generation uh and i think this is one this topic is very fitting because literally we are leaving <laughs> we're wanting to make a better world for our children and children's children so there is that element and i appreciate you sharing your perspective on that um as it relates to your, just your journey and your story what advice would you give to the next generation oh do not be afraid to speak up if you see something that does not sit right with you. Mm. I mean, it can be completely uncomfortable, but in the end, it is likely worth it. Um, when I was younger, I used to really struggle with the need to appear the same as my peers and the need to speak for those without a voice, um, enter the animal and climate advocacy. Mm -hmm. And I now have a lot of pride in both my knowledge and being okay to share that knowledge um, rather than the photos of my coffee and avocado toast. Uh, you know, I even have friends in my immediate circle who like to go out of their way to say too long, didn't read whenever I post mm -hmm. a Sunday climate service post. Mm -hmm. And for a while that was discouraging. Um, but then other friends and even people that I rarely speak to all the way to people I've never spoken to began messaging me, messaging me with comments on, you know, recent posts I would put up and, or asking, you know, why I missed a Sunday post. And it really ignited my fire to make this a little more permanent. 
Um, and it is likely that your critics will always ring a little louder than your supporters, Mm -hmm. um, especially when tackling a more controversial topic, Mm -hmm. but it shouldn't, you shouldn't let that derail, you know, your support and advocacy for what you believe in, because I like to think that in 10 years, I'll be able to look back and know that I was using my voice to be on the right side of history. And, you know, maybe by then caring about the planet will be super trendy. (laughs) No, that's good. I appreciate that you are using your voice. You are gaining the knowledge and understanding and immersing yourself in the issues and sharing that with others. And and go, go back to your guiding phrase of just being able to help people make decisions, personal decisions that will change the environment. And that's, you know, really key of you. Even just one person, even yeah. just one person. Love it. I love it. And that's we all can have that perspective of how do we distill the information so that can help change the next generation or change somebody's habits. And that's what, again, I appreciate from watching you and getting to know more, more about you and seeing your journey of ways in which that I can do some change and make some habits for my, me and my family that can ultimately help the greater good and help the, the climate in the world that we live in. So, uh, Kate, but as we end the podcast, I would love for you to plug anything and everything, you know, more, where can I find more about uh, you and the information that you are sharing and learning more about climate change work and I can find this information? Well, after a few years of toying and refining the idea, mm-hmm. I finally have launched my blog. Hey. Um, it is called Our Uninhabitable Future. Mm. And I realize that off the tongue, it sounds a little bleak, um, <laughs> but it is a play on my favorite climate book ever. Highly recommend it. There will be a book review on the blog very soon. Um, there's a lot of useful information and great resources just to get started on the basics of our changing climate. Uh, I even created a section on the blog that outlines incremental changes a person can easily implement in their own life to lessen their carbon footprint just in quick like little one sentence blurbs so you really don't have to put a lot of effort aside from just even visiting that page and skimming the page to see if there's anything that you want to implement in your own life and a lot of that probably can't be done until after coronavirus because apparently we can't you like bring anything reusable right now but don't let that deter you from later on the other side. Yeah. So exclusive. I'm so happy. The exclusive y'all heard it here first, or maybe not here first, but regardless, you heard it here. <laughs> Kate sister's new blog ought to be dropping. I'm super excited about that because what that's just the evolution of what you've already been doing, you know, and it, it's continuing to evolve in a way that is providing more and more, uh, resources and build more awareness to not only the issues, but what can we do about the issues? So I'm, I'm juiced about that. I'm, I'm so excited to, to invest and dive into what your perspective of, of what we can do in our world today. And yeah, I'll definitely link the blog in the show notes and and on our pages as well. So that way folks can uh, dive deeper as well. You can also still follow me on Instagram for Sunday Climate Service because I do plan to continue those. I will still share news headlines relating to climate and gender. Um, and I will, of course, continue 
posting cute puppy pictures. Yes, the puppy pictures. <laughs> we didn't, yes, let's talk about that now. I, I would love, oh, yeah. you, you got, okay, so when pitching to get Kate on the podcast, I mentioned that she had like seven different platforms that she was posting on. And I, I'm trying to figure out how you keep up with all that. That's a conversation for another day. But <laughs> you, yeah, you got the Georgie Doodle. Like, let's talk about that for a second. Let's talk about uh, 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 Treat Your Shelf. You know, like you got, you got a lot of things going on. So tell us about some of those other content and, and what's going on in those areas. Uh, yeah, so Treat Your Shelves started <laughs> when my friends and family gifted me, like, I, I think it was upwards of like 70 books um, over like a four month period. And they were all fiction books. And I was like, uh-oh. <laughs> I don't I don't read fiction I only read nonfiction so I didn't want them to go to waste and thought okay this is it this is gonna be it I'm gonna I'm gonna create another Instagram and it's going to hold me accountable for reading all of these fiction books mm -hmm. and so for every nonfiction book that I read I have to read four fiction books wow. for you know I'm trying to get five in a month and so far, I've been okay at it. <laughs> I I think last month I read three nonfiction, so I'm like kind of in the hole. Uh, okay. <laughs> but I have a lot of time, so. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah, we got, yeah. We got some time now. Uh, get yeah. caught up on your numbers. Okay, so treat your shelves. That's amazing. God, I, the, the start of that, 70 books in four months. That's wild. Um, I know. Jeez. <laughs> um, yeah. And then George, I... No, it's completely ridiculous to have an Instagram for your dogs, but I feel like most people are happier for it because I'm not bombarding their feed on my personal account with <laughs> pictures of my dogs. So, um, yeah, we started that and he's doing pretty well. You know, he has a lot, of, he has this PDX dudes group and he's made friends all over the world, you know, all the way to Australia and we are participating in a March Madness for dogs where you throw <laughs> you throw poop bags into the trash in some crazy fun cool <laughs> manner um so you can you can visit his Instagram to get a better idea of it but we're in the final four right now and voting starts tomorrow which is not important to this podcast because it's going to air after tomorrow but it's it's just been really fun and I actually had to use the excuse that I had to film my poop poop shot in order and postpone the initial recording of this podcast with Ray <laughs> which obviously I'm Thank cool you. because we try to get you trying to get y'all to win I want to see Georgie do the win yeah uh, in the finals yeah like y'all have it's some so crazy fun. shots it's, it's pretty amazing um I'm going to see, I'm going to, there's, I'm going to talk to you about getting at least some of those videos. I'm going to put them on my account uh, because yeah, that's Georgie Doodles doing, y'all, y'all do some amazing things. Obviously we wish y'all the best luck. Hopefully get to the finals. I'll be voting for sure um, <laughs> to, to get George so the championship in the podium, but um, yeah. He appreciates it. Yeah, of course he does, as you should. It's just been kind of like a fun little way to make people smile yeah. during our current crisis so yeah yeah that's good 
that's good. Yes. Yes. The, 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 the whole household is full of influencers and it's amazing. Y'all are doing big things up there. <laughs> You're the best. Oh man. Well, Kate, I am so, so grateful that you had the, you took the time to talk with me, uh, to share what you're passionate about, talk to educate us on climate change and what we can do about it, as well as just provide some words of wisdom for all of us who are navigating. What does it look like to share our voice and to really stand for something that's right and do it in a way that not only, uh, not only gets the point across, but in a way that also invites people to take action and brings people together. So I appreciate the fact of you coming on and sharing more about this. Um, I'll definitely link all of your social accounts and your blog more, especially into the show notes. And yeah, so Kate, thanks again for being on the podcast. Thank you so much for having me. This was so fun. Thanks so much for listening to On The Mic with Ray White. And before you leave, I got a few asks for you. First, connect with me on social media and let me know what your thoughts are on this episode. You can find me on my personal page at Ray Devante on all social accounts and this podcast at OTM podcast on Instagram. Next, subscribe, rate and review the podcast on your favorite listening device. Make sure that you go ahead and find On the Mic with Ray White on Stitcher, Google Play, Apple Podcasts and Spotify and make sure that you let me know that you're listening. And finally, share this episode with a friend. Take the time to send them the link or tag them on your social media platforms and start the conversation around them, around the reflective topics and the questions on this episode. Thanks so much. And don't forget to share your story with others. Peace.